You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. And to our old friends, Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Visit DizzyPigBarbecue.com, use the coupon KIND15, K-E-I-M-15, for 15% off your order shipped in the U.S. Today, I am joined by one of my all-time favorites, former Washington receiver Santana Moss. We talk Terry McLaurin. The other young receivers, his thoughts on quarterback Dwayne Haskins and the lack of timeouts taken in the last two games, plus his 89 ways to give foundation. Good stuff, folks. He's always a great guest. Then I wrap it up with the Therapy Thursday session. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a story on the site Friday about quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Check out my podcast Wednesday with ESPN reporter Jameson Hensley for a quick and deeper look at the Baltimore Ravens. And now, here's my conversation with former Washington receiver Santana Moss. And Santana, thank you for coming on. I want to get to your 89 ways to give foundation in a few minutes so people can hear what you're doing and ways that maybe they can help. Um, okay. But I do want to start off with taking a look at the, the on-field product right now for Washington. Let's start with Terry McLaurin because he's one of the positives through the first three games. We knew he was good after last year. What have you seen from him this year? Do you see a better player? No doubt. You know, one of the things that uh, stood out last year is just hearing some of the things and just knowing how he got into the draft uh, wasn't heavenly favored as one of the, the top wide receiver prospects. And then just to come and blast on the scene the way he did, you know, that raised eyebrows. That basically, you know, let everybody know that um, this this kid was coming, you know, he was motivated and just coming where he came from. You know, you go back and watch the film and you say, well, you know, well, wow, it was a lot of guys you can pinpoint and say who was almost considerably better, you know. And we knew Terry had speed, but you can – it's a, it was a hand, you know, field guys that, that on, on that same offense he played on, you can almost say, well, they had a little more potential. But um, I think that's just the true – uh, testament and, and the kind of player that he is just showing that, you know, cause he was just warming up in college. He was just getting his feet wet and, you know, he became a pro uh, the, the way pros become pros just gradually, you know, uh, progressed into being a, a now we seeing a great player. What's the, do you see it? What difference do you see? Cause you know, like after last year, he's a guy that defenses are going to look at. You know, going year to year, you've got to get better. Where do you do you see differences in his game? If so, where? What shocked me the most is just his um, his focus on every single play, play especially when mm, the ball okay. is coming his way. You know, you, you normally find guys with, you know, our size and, you know, our structure that we use mostly on, you know, outside routes, you know, the comebacks, the posts, the 
go routes because of our speed. But this guy have caught, you know, contested catch after catch, you know, and that's something that uh, another thing that raised my eyebrows that he's tougher than what expected also. So that right there alone kind of made me say, man, this, you know, he's a guy that I need to look, look more into. And, and, and coming into this season, I was wanting to see how his game evolved. You know, I want to see where he, where he takes his strides, you know, how far of a jump he, he takes up or does he, you know, stall a little bit because he's now known to be the guy. And you could just see it. Like now we're talking about yards after catch. He's leading the league, I think, 11 points something uh, with yards after catch because what I want to see Washington do the most with him, right now we haven't got to it. We haven't got down the field with the deep ball yet. And right now he's taking advantage of those guys who know he can run. You know, he's catching those those short catches and turning them up, you know, having some big, you know, yak. So um, I think that's somewhere right, right, right now, early in this season, he's involved. And, like, you know, one of the things I want to just, you know, mention is that um, right now they're still in preseason. You know, that's how I look at all these guys when I'm watching these games. You know, so there's no telling where he's going to take a jump to when it comes to when everybody gets comfortable and the body starts feeling themselves the way we normally feel come week one or a couple of games into the season. And it's funny that you bring up the preseason part because that is a theme for a lot of people. I know Ron Rivera has mentioned that too. And it's obvious, like this is such a young team that desperately needed a preseason. One of those guys, Antonio Gandy-Golden. I don't know if you've been able to see enough of him because usually you start to get a feel in the preseason, but have you seen enough of him? And what is like, if you're looking at like a young receiver coming from a school like Liberty, what do you think is the biggest thing that somebody has to get used to to then start producing in the NFL? Well, one of the things I want to speak on is just, um, I find it odd that that I hear a lot of folks, you know, um, basically compare a kid that's coming from a smaller school uh, to the kids that's coming from bigger schools. I think if you're a football player, you're a football player. Uh, I hated it growing okay. up that, you know, they would say, well, if you would have went to this school, you probably wouldn't got that many looks because y'all play less of competition, which it happens. I understand it does, but he, he's here. So regardless of how he got here, I think when you get out there amongst those other guys, you know, you know, prime example, myself in college, uh, you know, folks was like, well, he's a walk on, you know, and he didn't get a chance to be here like you guys. He's a track guy. But when you line me up on the field, no one knew what I played or how I got here because it's in me to play football. It's in me to compete. It's in me to go out there and do what I was, you know, my God-given, show my God-given, you know, ability. So I think he's that guy. He has some uh, intangibles that we haven't seen yet because, like we just, just spoke on, they haven't been through a preseason. Probably legs probably shot right now just from going through those first five weeks of training, and he's still young. Probably things are still not really clicking, but Last week to see him get in there, see Isaiah Wright get in there. The, those guys both are young guys. To see those guys have a chance to play in a, a a regular season game out the gate as rookies. And, you know, Gandy Golden got hit pretty hard. And so I'm pretty sure that woke him up and let him know <laughs> that you can't be running. You're, you're six forever. You can't be running that high, you know, without, you know, putting your shoulders down. So I'm just happy to see all those guys get involved early. I, I think it's going to speak volumes to what this team can go offensively like you know just with the hiccups that we're having you know uh with the quarterback position I think all that stuff is just part of the process of these guys growing together and it's a pretty good young bunch you know you know to be honest with you I'm and I know I'm getting a little off the subject but I've been uh, pissed a little bit you know about what I've been seeing only because I know the potential just watching these guys like man they can really be good and 
they're making mistakes now that's causing them early. I'm hoping that these mistakes that they're making can be some something that they use to learn from and say, we all say mid-season, like, man, look at the things that they did those first five games out the gate, and now look at these guys, you know? So that's what I'm seeing, and I just hope guys like Antonio Gandon, Golden, and, uh, you know, Isaiah Wright, I hope those guys be big contributors because we're going to need them for that core. And what, again, I go back to that preseason because I look at so many, again, so many guys would have benefited because Antonio Gibson is talking about learning things. I'm like, that's what you learn in the first preseason game. So what are some things that you remember learning in your first preseason game that helped you even going into this, into your first season? Well, first of all, my first year as a rookie, I was hurt. I didn't even play a preseason. Oh, that's right. I, oh, I got right. That's right. I got hurt a friend appreciation night and missed the whole preseason all the way up until the, like the the I didn't play until week twelve, I believe, of that season. But even with me playing those four games, and I mean, I was like a fish out of water. Like I was literally out there, just out there. Body just was out there, and mind was racing. The speed was like warp speed. <laughs> even going to that next year, I understand when coach speak on you know, uh, our quarterback and saying, like, he's still a rookie. You know, you got to think about it because some of the stuff that, regardless of how much playing time he got last year, you know, he's still learning. And that's how I felt going into my second year. Like, I played the last four games and then played the playoff game. And still, my first preseason game, I was, you know, about to crap on myself because I, I was still <laughs> nervous because it was now going to be the, my, my chance to really get out there and really have some real – put in some real work. So – I could just imagine, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do as a receiver, regardless of what game it was, I wanted to touch the ball. I wanted to out the gate, have a get a catch, regardless of how hard it was. I wanted it easy so I can just get involved. So that slows things down for me. That gives me more confidence. And, you know, from there, I think it was like smooth selling, you know. But um, these guys these days, you know, that's why I say, you know, I can just imagine things probably just racing for those guys. But like I say, I'm kind of, you know, loving just to see them out there because I know eventually they're going to catch on and eventually it's going to calm down and, and they'll be able to go out there and, you know, put some good stuff on the field. So for you, I want be, I'm going to get to Dwayne in one minute, though. I, I did like what I saw from Isaiah Wright. I'm curious what you saw. The, the, for an undrafted free agent, he doesn't – he <laughs> plays like yeah. he belongs on the field. Yeah. He doesn't back yeah. down. What did you yeah. see from him? He, he scared me when it came to just – not scared me as in like, oh man, I don't want him out there. He scared me just knowing that it's a lot of couple of other guys that I want to see that he might be fighting them for their job. And just because he played with, he he was fearless. He just he did things that rookies don't do. You know, I'm I saw him catch a pass and caught the slip screen, bubble screen, whatever it was. And most of the time, those guys get the ball in their hand and they antsy trying to make something happen. And it just to, to the point where they don't even pick up yardage. He didn't have nowhere to go. He went upfield. He said, hey, I don't have them cut back and, and got positive yardage, stuff like that. I know it's natural to us because we play the position and, and we put in those situations, you know, numerous of times throughout the game. But this is his first, you know, real live action, you know, and for him to do that on this level, you know, I was, you know, I was surprised. So, uh, like I said, um, you know, I, I love Sims Jr. And I, I knew he was nicked up. But that's the guy that's going to be fighting him for that job or fighting him for that slot position. And he went out there and handled it well. So, you know, I think the competition level of what Coach Rivera, them, you know, harps on anyway, is really raised in that room now, just knowing that this guy can go out there and, and um, you know, get the job done. Yeah, he's he's a tough kid. I like him. Uh, with, with, with Dwayne Haskins, what are some things that you say that these are the positives I've seen? And then what are the concerning things that you've seen? 
the positive is that you see he can play football. We know that. You know, he he's he's made plays. Um, he throws the ball well at times. And I mean, when I say at times, you know, I'm saying he has a great arm, but one of the things about me as a receiver, I care less of how strong your arm was, how big your arm was. I just needed the ball there on time when I'm open and a, a, a catchable ball. At times I've seen he hasn't had a catchable ball, and that's that's something that bothers me a little bit because I think, uh, but by him being young, I kind of say, okay, you know, you're young, and, and that's going to happen. But he's going to have to eventually see that and say, on those swing passes with my backside of the backfield, it's no way I should have them leaping for balls on a nice dump-off <laughs> right. pass. It's no way on that pass across the middle to um, Ganny Golden, I should have threw it that hard for him to have to double catch it. It should have been to where he can catch it and run. You know, him ha- he's already 6'5", him having to bend down for that ball. It's no way I should put him in that position. So stuff like that, you know, uh, makes me, you know, it, it alarms me because I've been in those shoes before as a receiver. I've been in, in those shoes when I come out of my break and I'm seeing my quarterback in his windup throwing to me, you know. And I'm not saying I've seen him do that, but I'm I'm hoping he's he's not that kind of a quarterback. Now, the things that I love about him is that, you know, he comes back and plays, you know, and I think if you if you looked at the game last week against um against who they just played um Cleveland I'm, I'm, I'm Cleveland I'm already about to forget them. If you watch that game, they fought hard. They fought back into it, and the only thing I can just say is like you you know as a to me as a staff as a, a offensive coordinator and a head coach, I think we all re, they all relaxed because now they all they was allowing him to throw the ball in situations when. We was kind of we fought our way back into the game. We up. I understand the defense letting them drive down and score, but you shouldn't try to put so much in his arm. You know he has one of those arms that you know being a young guy, he let it fly, and we put ourselves in the situation that we saw. So uh, that's the only thing that rubbed me wrong a little bit last week watching it because I, I felt like at the end they fought hard enough to win that game. Easily could have won it. You know sure. easily could have won. Our defense played great. Baker couldn't do nothing for a chance. Uh, their 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 run game was stopped. And we gave them momentum by giving giving them the ball back, and that's why we were sitting where we were sitting at. So if he's a if if he's the kind of guy that I want him to be, he would take that on the chin and say, "Look, I lost that game, you know." And I, and it's hard because I've been in those shoes to say that I haven't had too many quarterbacks, you know. Well, I have played with a lot of young ones, but the older ones that I played with was easily they would easily say, "Hey, man, that's on me," you know. So I'm hoping he's the guy that say, regardless of what people saying. Regardless, we don't have to see or know what you really went through out there. But you as a quarterback got to sometimes step up and say, look, that's on me. Regardless if I stare the guy down or not. You, we don't know because we watching. You're the player. Because you know what's going to happen? Eventually, we're going to see it again if you don't correct it anyway. So regardless of what happened, just take it, you know, own up to it and put it behind you and move forward. And then you will see a difference or he will have a better chance of moving forward because if you don't, accept it and he tries to play down it we're going to see it because it's, it's going to be him it's going to show up again absolutely and as as of someone who you you play you said you played with young quarterbacks you've been through quarterback change and all that and i'm not by any means suggesting they should make a quarterback change at this point because it's only no. three games and he is a young 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 passer yeah. but as someone who's you know how veterans think how long do you think that they'll be okay? And what things do they need to see from a guy like Dwayne so that they stay patient with the process? Well, it's going to be on him. 
and I think the one of the things that I that stood out the most to me when I heard Ron say, look, <laughs> I'm going to keep him out there in the fire. The only way he's going to learn is by going through it. And, you know, I, I thought about it, I said, man, you know what? You know, I had a little analogy that I used on the show the other day with uh, Julie. I said, that's just like a father telling his younger son or teaching his younger son how to fight. You, you know, you can't keep coming to get me or big brother because somebody's picking on you. Eventually, you got to put your hands up. And whether you get knocked out or not, you're going to learn eventually because you're going to be in that situation. So um, honestly, man, I think this is the best thing for him right now to go through some of these growing pains. Um, I get kind of I watch these young guys in this league and <laughs> I'm just a different guy. You know what I mean? I'm just a different guy. I've never been a showboat. I've never been a guy that's too flashy. And I'm always been like, look, I'm going to look good. I'm going to look like <laughs> I'm supposed to professional, but I'm a play down until my game speaks more than me you know what i mean like i'm a everything is going to be played down until my game is on a level to where i can walk the walk that i've been walking without having to show you who i am because my game is speaking for it and that's what i want to see from him as a quarterback you know i, I understand he's the guy but he can't get too high on himself or too low on himself right now you know because when, when he have those great plays you can see the you know the excitement and all that stuff and you see some of the little flashiness but hey you know it happens you played this game before understanding that that you're going to have these because you're going to also have the lows that we all been seeing that we're talking about now and you're going to have to know how to find that neutral spot and be able to you know bear them both um i'm hoping that he just can bear everything you know because right now he's the franchise and as an older player if i'm it's going to eventually happen to the point where he can't come back every week and we're talking about turnover. That's how it's going. That's how he's going to be able to prove to us that he's the guy. If every week we come back and saying that, man, we would have had this game again, but he turned the ball over, that's going to be, I think, a, a pivotal you know, point for the coaches to start scratching their head and say, should we pull the plug or not? And that's something that I don't want to see done. I mean, knock on wood, I think this is the hardest wood I got or, or the only piece of wood I got around here is my head. So I'm just don't want to see a continue because he, he he was playing okay up into that game and you know I, he started I heard, well I heard him in the yeah I heard him in a press conference and when he said that I didn't stare down guys I was like see that's the wrong answer that's the wrong answer because regardless if you did or didn't just say yeah you know maybe I did I got to watch myself a little bit you know I got to check it out on film like because you sometimes you don't know and it's plenty of games where I was like hey yeah I don't remember doing that but when I watch myself. When I went home and watched, I'm like, oh, man, they said I did this, you know, and I didn't know. And if you listen to Coach's press conference, he said, he said, look, he was right. He he didn't stare him down, but he went to his read so fast that it didn't give us enough. He didn't give himself enough time to go from one to two to three. He just went, okay, I'm going to look you off. Now I'm throwing to this guy. That's not enough time in this league. These guys are ready. These guys are coached up well. And a lot of these guys are going to beat you on the defensive side mentally more than they are physically. Most of these guys, I mean, 75% of the game is mental me, to me. You know, I, I was out there with one leg for five years. From 2010 to 14, I played on one leg. And I mentally beat guys because I just know where to be at or knew how to get there before them because that was my job. So he got to understand that this game is more mental than it is physical. And when he gets to that moment, then we'll see him excel. You've heard me talking about Lone Oak Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lone Oak Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business 
during this trying time. Just look at their website, loanoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right, put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E, O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. I want to get to the 89 Ways to Give Foundation in one minute. Last question on football. Last two weeks, Ron Rivera has taken those timeouts in the locker room after the game. Has that Would that bother you? What did you think would that bother you as one of the veterans, or do you feel like he was making the right moves there? It depends. I mean, I, you know, I was asked that question, do I agree with it? And I can honestly say I probably don't agree with it. I, I'm not in a situation to, to know if I would agree with it. But watching the game, if we have a, 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 we have a chance to win, then, yeah, take a timeout, coach. Get the defensive breather. But like he said, his whole job is to basically, you know, uh, you know, make these guys out of, you know, he, he's trying to build these guys into what he wants them to be. So with those guys on the field, if, if it's more of a risk to take a timeout and get an injury than it is to just let the clock play out, then do what's best. Because right now the circumstances is kind of not on no one side. You know, it's, it's too many injuries going on right now. And if, when you're at a point to where it just, hey, we, we're done, we can't, we can't, I don't want to see my offense back on the field for nothing just to be back on the field, then let's just get out of this game. But if you have a fighting chance to win, then I, I, I believe he'd do something a little different. I think he'll, he'll handle that situation a little differently. So um, I, I'm, I'm with him because I'm actually watching. If I was playing, I'd probably have a different, you know, um, tone. I, I'm Yeah, and I, as you know, players want to win. I think it's hard to see big yeah. picture when you're playing sometimes. What about your foundation? I know you received a grant to, to help with your foundation. What are you doing and what is the goal? What, what are you doing with the foundation right now? Well, um, 89 Ways to Give is something that, um, honestly, I re- rebranded it, renamed it to 89 Ways to Give. It basically was um, Santana Moss Foundation since 2000. And I did stuff in this area, the DMV area, but more, mostly my, my, my real work was done in Florida because I was, you know, that was the off season. I was spending more time down there. But now, you know, I, I met up with someone, Carmen Fielder. She's from Ashburn and she just watched me a lot from just how I carried myself, you know, since I've been retired. She seen me in the gym a lot. And she said, hey, you know, uh, uh, a mutual friend, you know, connected us. And she was like, hey, man, you should do something with a foundation. You should start a foundation. I'm like, well, I already have one. She's like, well, we need to do some stuff here because I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's a lot of kids in knees. And I see how you always here and there doing things in the DMV. And it'd be great for you to do it in this area. And um, so one of the main things is just, you know, my thing is trying to inspire the youth. You know, I'm big on inspiring the youth. I'm big, I'm big on building character. I, I really believe in our future, you know, um, is all in their hands, you know. So if I can have a, um, a footprint or, or be some kind of mentor or somebody that can help them along their path to be me one day or be beyond me or better than us, 
then I did my due. And um, one of the ways I, I, I try to go about doing that is just putting on different events to get around them, have them around me, have them around some of the guys. Um, I do my my annual um, Moss Academy every year. Didn't do it this year because of COVID. Uh, that's a football camp where I just get these kids and I'm teaching them deeper than football. Like my whole my whole thing is when I when I get these kids from their parents, I'm like, look, I'm not going to make your kid the best football player. But I'm hoping that I can give him something that's going to make him uh, uh, better at what he's doing, whatever sport it is, and a better person. You know, uh, that's one of the things that I, I believe that I have been from day one. The person who I am allowed me to be the football player. And so I'm trying to just let them kids rub off of everything I have, you know, you know, use me as as their, you know, the bucket that they can, you know, throw coins to and get all the knowledge that they need to be better, you know, um, citizens and just be you know, great student athletes. Cause you know, one of the things about this game, we all student athletes, we always learning. And even when we remove from school, we still a student athlete if we still in sports because we learn something new every day. So uh, I just try to make sure that they know that and just know that I'm here because a lot of kids, you know, unfortunately, regardless of if the parents have uh, a big, you know, uh, bank or, you know, they have big pockets, they can do for them financially. Some of these kids are still lost when it comes to just having that love period and i think that's one of them that's one of the things that a lot of these parents reason why they bring them to me because they see the love they see everybody how we treat them you know i get a, i have one of the parents she's a she's actually one of my kids grandmother and it, man i could just if i can just show you the text messages this lady sent me every other month about her grandson and the level he's on you know from when he first met me to now and she said every time he's writing something to his teacher it's something that I've said to him and she circled it and show it to me because she's like, I, I, I heard you tell these kids not to give up and not, you know, don't worry about how hard it is. This is something that's going to, you know, mold you and, and build you to be the person you're trying to become. And she like, it's, it's every time I'm, I'm reading some of his homework or something, he's always speaking on some of my words and stuff. So that right there alone made me feel good and let me know that he's one of those kids like myself. When I was his age, I listened. I made sure I paid attention. Because the things that I learned then is, is the reason why who I am today, because I'm able to use those things and um, put them into my daily walk. So that's what the most I mean, the, the eight nine ways uh, to give foundation is all about. One thing we try to do is around the holiday season, we big on trying to make sure everybody has some kind of basket, some kind of, you know, whatever it might be needed, you know, for food and stuff. We understand that is it's some areas in this area that's not um, fortunate. So we try to be there for them. Uh, toy drives for the kids, coat drives for the, you know, less fortunate who can't afford those coats. And uh, one of the good things about what I've done, I think, uh, joining with Salvation Army, man, they, they've been a big help in me and I've been a big help with them around these around these times. You know, uh, I believe we got Breast Cancer Awareness Month coming up. And so I, I'll be doing stuff during that month, bringing awareness, trying to raise money and stuff like that. But uh, Salvation Army has been a big help with things I've been doing and we've kind of like joined together and just been helping each other. And that's a, that's a lot. What can the public do to help? Is there, cause you, you do have a website for this. What can the public yeah. do to help out? Oh, uh, they can always reach out to my, uh, to my website, uh, a nine ways to give.org. And, uh, on there, they'll see my manager's information. Her name is Carmen Fielder. And, uh, we have a lot of our information too, in the Loudoun County times and stuff like that with stuff that we're doing, you know, when it's coming up, but, you know, I'm pretty sure if they don't hear from me that way, you know, they you just watch me through through my social media, eight, you know, eight to the nine. 
Um, I'm always posting about different things I'm doing, different, different, um, you know, events I'm doing just to try to raise money or raise awareness. Or even when I'm popping up at some of these schools to talk to these kids. Uh, that's another thing I love to do through the foundation is just, you know, go and go and be able to be reachable. You know, let these kids know I'm just like them. And I sit in the same some of the same seats that they're sitting in. And like I tell them, you know, one of my 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 things I tell them all, if you can touch me, you can be me. And I'm here in the flesh. So this is me. So if, I, if I'm this close, then it's no telling what you can be. You know what I mean? Because I've been in your seat before, too. So and I didn't have a person like myself to come out and, and be able to share some of the things I'm sharing. So don't let no one tell you what you can do or what you cannot do. Uh, just always keep that same energy, that same mental, you know, uh, mentality and, and go after what you want. Folks, this is why he's easily, in all the years I've covered it, easily one of my top three favorite players to ever deal with. So Santana, thanks a lot for coming on. Always enjoy talking to you and your insight and good luck with the foundation and anything that, you know, if you need anything from me, just, just reach out. So, okay. I got got your number, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Tan. I appreciate it, man. Take care. After this break, I'll be back to answer your Therapy Thursday mailbag questions. One question. How long is Dwayne Haskins' leash? I used to love making all of my own spices. Now I love reaching for one of Dizzy Pig's craft seasonings. Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily, and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the barbecue tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Just recently, I cooked a ribeye with their cow lick seasoning. Fantastic flavor. My wife really likes the mole and the Peruvian, and the popular Dizzy Dust is truly all-purpose. And if you're cooking turkey during the holidays, you have to use their Mad Max turkey rub. It's seasonal, so you can buy it now until January. With 27 different blends, there is a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 15% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIME15, that's K-E-I-M-15, at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y-P-I-G-B-B-Q.com. Welcome back. The doctor is in. Time for Therapy Thursday. Let's get right to it. Strict nine. And I told you I'd answer this. I told you the other day on Twitter I'd answer this. Here we go. Strict nine says, I mentioned to you earlier, Dwayne's mechanics bother me far more than the bad decisions he made on Sunday. Do you think they can be fixed or will he always throw from an awkward base and mostly depend on his arm? I can't believe his personal coaches haven't corrected it. I'm in total agreement with you about Sunday. I was bothered more by the other throws than the interceptions. Those can be corrected, I think. Here's the tip. Look down the middle of the field, count to 1,001, then look over. His eyes took the defender over there. It wasn't double coverage. It's a zone coverage. Defenders are going to read this guy's eyes left and right now. So don't do it. Do a better job at that. I think that's something you can easily work on in practice, more so than just your in-game mechanics with your feet. I think you can work on that. Those are, I think, also byproducts of him wanting to perhaps do too much. What bothered me was the overthrow on the simple screen to J.D. McKissick that would have gained a lot of yards, or the way Antonio Gibson had to lunge forward to catch a swing pass, or just other passes that are off target. 
In fairness, Haskins had a beautiful throw to McLaurin on the bogus P.I. call. I felt his feet were good on the second TD pass to, to Dontrell Inman. So you see positives as well. I've heard others in the organization say the same thing about throwing a thought with all arm. It's evident way too many times, and I talk to other people, whether in the league or other NFL guys, who say the same thing as well. It's the beauty and curse of having what he does. He's always had a good arm, and he's gotten away with not always having perfect mechanics in the pocket. Problem is, at this level, he can't beat anyone with his legs, so those mechanics have to improve. His coaches, his personal coaches, have absolutely worked on all this stuff. Ultimately, it's on him to do it in the game. They can't be out there with him. You can do all these drills you want, but when you get in that game, you've got to be one settled mentally and physically to move through your progression at a certain rate. There are going to be times it's a messy pocket and you can't do it, but you got to do a lot better job with trying to get your entire body into that throw. And that's something, you know, as one person here told me, when he's throwing with his receivers, for example, in Florida, there's no coaches down there. There's no one telling him anything about his footwork. So, yes, I think that's a concern. Will it ever improve? I know the fear is he's a pocket passer who needs work on his pocket mechanics, his feel, his awareness in the pocket. Those are things that need to be corrected. That's why they knew it was going to be a long time. That's why they didn't want him to play last year. They knew he'd take a while. Fans saw a first-round pick. The coaches and football side saw raw talent, but a lot of work ahead, and that remains true. One little nugget, I talked to Mark Rippon the other day, and I hope to have him on here soon if you guys want to hear from him. He said in his first two years, all he did was work on a side field with Jerry Rome on his mechanics. Rome was the quarterback's coach at the time. Rippon was on IR during those first couple years. Didn't play at all. Just worked. It eventually paid off. That's a shout-out to Adam Cohn, who kind of who asked a question, too. I answered some of it within there, but he wanted to know some of the same stuff. So we'll see if it pays off with Haskins. But, yes, to me, that I agree with you that those parts are concerning more than just staring down a guy that I think you can get out of that. Anyway, Derek Mann. On Sunday, it sounded like Ron was going back to Haskins no matter what. His tune changed a bit in his Monday presser. How long do you think Dwayne's leash is? I don't think his tune changed as much as he extended his thoughts further, if that makes sense, mainly because he was pressed a little bit more on it, and good job by Ben Standig of The Athletic for doing so. Anyway, I think he has to show real progress in the next couple weeks, and I'm talking about Dwayne, not Ben. I don't think anyone truly knows how long the leash is or what will constitute real progress. Some there would guess two games. I think it would go more just because this is Dan Snyder's guy. The offseason was not conducive to helping a quarterback in Dwayne Haskins' spot. It's not about the talent around him. It's about how they view his progress in other areas. Reading coverages at the right pace, decisions, mechanics, etc. They know how inexperienced he is. Listen, if the turnovers continue, that becomes an issue. But it hasn't been an issue. It wasn't with interceptions until Sunday. Again, they know the inexperience. They also know eventually they want to, that they want to win, and so do the veterans. That's a consideration as well. Problem is, does Kyle Allen really give you this, that chance? They know he's a future backup. They need to find out if Haskins is a legitimate starter. They know that. So I would say at least several more games. I'm giving them a half a year. I think after this offseason, it's just hard to do otherwise, at least that. I mean, for a while, I thought he was going to get the whole year. But after what Rivera said, there is, a, there is a deadline for him to see. You want to see improvement. I also think that's his way of continuing to challenge Dwayne Haskins. That's something he said he was going to do. That's what Urban Meyer told him he had to do. And I think that's part of what goes into that, that you want to see. But here's the other thing. Let's see how he responds. The beauty of this is if he goes out there and plays a better game, that's a good response. That's what you want to see. 
So we'll st we'll stay tuned for that. All right, Hamza. I think that's how you pronounce it. I apologize if I botched it. Any sense as to what the coaching staff temperature is on West Martin? Okay, well, I appreciate it. Um, my sense for both players is that they can be viewed as okay. But he's talking about Jaron Christian, Christian too, and he thinks that Martin seems to be consistently failing in pass pro. Anyway, my sense for both players is that they can be viewed as okay starters and solid backups. I think with Martin, there's a wonder if he's a bit undersized at the position. I would disagree that he consistently fails, though. Some of those sacks are not on him. One of the sacks the other day was 1,000% on the quarterback passing up a quick throw to one side, spinning into more trouble on the other side. That's where that awareness comes in, and that's where I'm talking to other quarterbacks or people who have played that position or know that position. That's what they're saying, too. So I can see Sadiq Charles taking one of these jobs someday. He played left tackle in college, but they do think he could play guard here if that's where they have a spot for him. The problem with Charles he just hasn't practiced consistently on, consistently enough because of the injuries. So I don't know when he's going to be able to get out there because of that. All right. Adam Scott says, the last two weeks haven't been great, but how about some positivity? Who has been a pleasant surprise on either side of the ball three weeks, three weeks into the season? Well, Adam, I don't know if Montez Sweat qualifies as a pleasant surprise because I felt he'd be good this year. Sure enough, he is. But I'm going to read you a text I received this season from someone, uh, some, a coach, another coach in the league who saw him last year and saw him this year. Here's what, the, here's what the coach said. The biggest improvement he's made is in his play effort. There's also been a quantum leap in his pass rush technique. His long arm, will, his long arm move will be one of the better pass rush moves in this league for a defensive end as he develops more strength and confidence. I could see he had all the traits to be outstanding. Now he has applied the mental toughness to be consistently productive. End of quote. I was a big fan of Sweats going into camp. I'm a bigger one now. Barrick Nichols wants to know, at what point do you look around the NFC East and realize you have a chance to win now? This is a bad division. If they decide to try and win this year, then what changes? Well, it's 2020, so who the hell knows what will happen. But you're right, this is a bad division. But exactly how can they just flip a switch and say, okay, let's win now? What or who are, are they holding back that they can get that can get them over the top? And what are you trying to build, an 8-8 eight eight team to win the playoffs, to get in the playoffs now, or something that's far more sustainable? And I say that because in order for this team to win now, they'd have to make a few trades to get back some better and more experienced talent. Then you're losing capital to improve, and you're stuck with more expensive players you know, depending on who those guys are too. So that takes away from next year's salary cap too. Some of the things Washington has going for it right now is that as a young talent base, a lot of cap room and eight draft picks that I know they don't want to part with. Why throw that away? If you think they're one player away, okay, but they're not. So I'm curious what people think they can do to just say, hey, let's win now. Ask the quarterback not to throw three picks again, because if that didn't happen, they'd be two and one. But I don't think there's a magic wand they can wave and just say, hey, Let's win now. They knew it was going to be tough given all the, the, the offseason, et cetera, the youth on the team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's just a matter of that they have to do a really good job hoping that the quarterback and the other young talent, it's not just Dwayne Haskins, but the other young talent on that offense develops because then that's how you set yourself up, not just for a good finish this year, but for a good next few years. Anyway, that's it for this week. A big thanks to Santana Moss for joining me. Remember, the website is 89waystogive.org, and that's 89waystogive.org. Thanks to Lono Coffee and Dizzy Pig Barbecue for their sponsorship, and a huge thanks to you for listening. Talk to you Monday morning.